What ancient Roman traditions of Saturnalia influenced Christmas? And what color car depreciates the least? Oh, really? Uh-huh. That's interesting. There's a preferred color. Hmm, I have to know what that is. Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome to the off-ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, and take a side road to sanity. Well, Marcia, I think we've all heard of the Roman holiday of Saturnalia. Parts of the Christian tradition date from that. So do you know what some of those traditions are that became part of Christmas celebrations? Um, the tree? The tree? Was that one of them? No, that wasn't. Okay. I have three here. Okay. So it was an ancient Roman festival that honored the agricultural god Saturn. That's why it's called Saturnalia. And it occurred around mid-December, the winter solstice, and lasted for a week. Ah, that's pretty much why they picked Christmas date, isn't it? Historians believe that the festival involved three things. Any idea what they are? All right, it wasn't a tree. What else? Presents? Yes. Okay, that's Exchange of gifts, yes. Food, lots of food. Yes, feasts, right? Okay, and three is Santa Claus. No, no, no. (laughs) No. Singing door to door. Oh, really? All those things, yeah. Feasts, the exchange of gifts, and even singing door to door and house to house, all traditions that are now part of the Christmas season came from the ancient Roman festival of Saturnalia. Santa wouldn't look right in a toga, would he? No, no, I don't think so. just saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bob. You're wondering... What color car depreciates less than other color cars? What depreciates the most or less? Less. Less, okay. Right. So what has the most resale value? I think red has the most resale value. I knew you'd say that. And is it true? No. Blue? No. What has the most resale value? (laughs) Yellow. Oh, no. Yeah, isn't that surprising? It depreciates on an average over three years, 4.5%. Wow. Over three. Guess what car? loses almost 17.8% in three years. What color? Brown. Brown cars. That's it. That's it. it. But we had a brown car. You know what our son called it. Yeah. (laughs) I I call it the bronze bunny, but he called it something else. Yeah, he had another name for it, which shall remain nameless. But uh, yeah, you're right. 17.8, that's a big difference. So it dropped 17% in value. In three years. In three years. And a yellow car drops what? Under five. 4.5%. That's amazing. It is. And I had a yellow car once. When I met you, I had a yellow I car. Know. Well, that's what attracted me to you. little yellow Datsun. Yes. <laughs> okay, right. Bob. Who was the first U.S. president to make an official trip to another country, Marsha? Oh, I think that was, um, that was Teddy Roosevelt. That's exactly right, yeah. First president to make a trip to another country. On official business, that is. Where did he go? Do you know where he went? Oh, I'm trying to remember. He went in this hemisphere. He went to Europe. He went to Asia. Where did he go? He went to check on a major U.S. construction project. In where? In where? That's what I'm asking you. Oh. <laughs> Think now, Marsha, 1906. Yeah, yeah the biggest construction so project in been, the world. It couldn't have been the Panama Canal. That's exactly what it was. But that's not in the Northern Hemisphere. It's in this hemisphere. It's in the Americas. So that was in 1906. He made the journey to Panama to inspect construction of the Panama Canal, which would be completed eight years later. I see. All right. Since we're in the holiday spirit here, I have some questions on other holidays that happen and occur in December we'll get to. Okay. All right. Let's go to landmarks. 
What's embedded, Bob, in the Gateway St. Louis Arch? What's embedded in the yeah, Gateway St. Louis Arch? Yeah, something inside of it. The time capsule? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you knew that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In October 1965, a time capsule was added to the top of the arch. Did you know it was at the top of no, the arch? No, I didn't know it was up there. Yep, the contents aren't exactly major historic relics, but they're very sweet. What they're- are they? They contain the signatures of more than 700,000 citizens of St. Louis, many of them being schoolchildren. So that's kind of cute, huh? Yeah. It's permanently welded to the arch, so it will remain intact as long as the arch stands. That is also a major architectural achievement to build that thing. I remember seeing it built. Yeah, when they had to meet in the middle at the top. It's like bridges. Yeah. You, know, you, come, you have to really yeah. engineer it right to meet at the geez, right place. I was pretty young. But yeah, I remember seeing, oh, is that going to come together? <laughs> and it did. And it did. Uh, we rode in that as a family a few months after that went up. They had little like five or six person capsules that they had to build for that thing. And it was kind of had to be on rocker panels because it has to go up at an angle. Oh, really? They were like little pods. They, oh, they okay. still use the same kind of, uh, it was invented for that particular piece of architecture. Mm-hmm. Okay. The train that goes up on each sides of the legs. Okay. All right, Marcia, what are the roots of Christmas Boxing Day? Now, this well, is something we don't really celebrate here in the United in States. England, England, yeah. So what are the roots of Christmas Boxing Day? This goes back to the 1830s. I read it in a novel. Okay. And I can't remember the answer. It, it had uh, charitable roots. Charitable they, they roots. They would box up left uh, leftover things or food or presents and take them to... The poor houses? There are theories. Nobody really knows for sure, apparently. But it started with members of the upper crust distributing Christmas boxes with food, gifts, and money to their servants and other employees. And then it became a different celebration. It's like post-holiday sales. You know, you take, oh, okay. take the stuff back that you didn't like and take it back. So that's that's what it becomes known what as years? now. When, when it started in the 1830s. It's celebrated in the UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Yeah, I see it on the calendars here. Yeah, by the year 2000, many retailers began expanding their offerings for a full boxing week, running from December 26th to the 31st for returns. So that's what it became known as. Okay, Bob, you know what lies under the Lincoln Memorial? What lies under the Uh Lincoln Memorial? What's under there? Let's see, what is what lies? Well, swamp. I think that whole area was a swamp. But don't they have some kind of a... A basement kind of structure in there or something? No, it's a full cave. A cave complete with stalactites and everything. Really? Construction workers stumbled upon the cave in the 1970s when digging out for an elevator shaft for disabled visitors. And then they went, holy camole. Hmm. They found nine-foot stalactite rock formations and everything. Wow, I didn't think about caves being there. Yeah. The most fascinating part of the cave is the graffiti that adorns the 122 supporting columns. Visitors who embark on the cave tour, there's a tour now, did you know that? No. I didn't know that. They include caricatures of everybody from Woodrow Wilson to the foreman of the construction crew. Oh, really? So the <laughs> yeah. crew's making funny pictures of yeah. their boss. Yeah. That's hilarious. And Woodrow Wilson, so. <laughs> who was president That's at the when, time. when they were down there doing the shaft, right? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I thought it was going to be some ancient uh, hieroglyphics, but no, it's the construction crew. The construction crew. crew. People are people, you yeah. know? Okay, here's another celebration that occurs at this time of the year, Hanukkah. Our Jewish friends have that. What is Hanukkah also known as? I'll give you some choices. The Festival of Feasts, the Festival of Lights, the Festival of Freedom. Festival of Lights. How did you know that? Because I've always known that. What does that mean? Why is it called the Festival of Lights? 
The Hanukkah lights, the 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 candles, the oils, the and oil the candle that, that kept going, the oil in the temple that kept the menorah candles burning for That's eight right. full days. You're right. That's right. All right. Now, follow up question on Hanukkah: Which of the following is not a traditional Hanukkah food? Christmas chocolate coins, <laughs> jelly donuts, pork loin, or latkes? Um, I think jelly donuts are a part of it. Which and, of and the following latkes, is not? Yeah, is not. Latkes, pork loin, jelly donuts, or chocolate coins? Chocolate what? coins. No, you're wrong. <laughs> it's pork. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> latkes, they're potato pancakes. Oh, yeah. Fried jelly donuts and chocolate coins are all Hanukkah treats. Huh. But consuming pork goes against Jewish dietary restrictions and is not commonly consumed during the holiday celebrations. However, brisket is often consumed as a meat dish in its place. Yum, yum. (laughs) Okay. What newspaper defied the popular trend of publishing crossword puzzles and in 1924, when they were very popular, described them as a craze, as a sinful waste in the utterly futile finding of words. Was this a religious publication? No. Was it the New York Times? Yes. <laughs> Which has the best crossword Which puzzles in the world now. Which is world famous now for its crossword. Yeah, they But they, they fought it. They put they fought it until 1942 and wow. then came out with the best crossword puzzles of everybody. So even during the 20s when there was a yeah. huge crossword yeah. puzzle and the 30s, craze, yeah, they didn't have crossword puzzles no. in the New York Times? Yeah. <laughs> They're funny. That's a hilarious. A sinful waste in utterly futile finding of words. And that's a bad sentence. That's I think. A, yeah, that is. A <laughs> Sinful waste of utterly futile finding words. Yeah, very good, Bob. That's funny. What does the European holiday Krampusnacht translate ah, to? Krampusnacht. Krampusnacht, and I'm going to give you some choices. Krampus night, Krampus knocking, Krampus nose, or Krampus naughty. <laughs> Let's go with naughty. It isn't. It's Krampus night is what it means. Oh. The night that an evil character named Krampus visits children who behave badly, bringing them coal and mischief. What country is this? It started in Germany, apparently. Krampus comes from the German word Krampen, which means claw. So Krampus was a half-goat, half-demon figure. And the myth <laughs> is believed to have originated in Germany. This, again, this is stuff that happens during December, during the holiday season. Again, Krampus is the central figure of the Krampus Nacht. <laughs> Celebrated December the 5th in Austria, Germany, and many parts of Central Europe. So now, what is celebrated on December the 6th? That's, uh, uh, what's his name? Our kids found out about it, and then we had to do it. St. Nicholas Day. Yeah, St. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Day for good little girls and boys yeah. follows Krampusnacht. <laughs> for bad little girls and boys, it celebrates a holy figure, the actual St. Nicholas, who okay. is a bishop, and it was famous for his generosity. And it's observed in many Northern European countries. On St. Nicholas Day, December the 6th, St. Nicholas visits and leaves gifts for good children, often under their pillows or in shoes or stockings. I'll never forget that day, the afternoon, the kids came home from school and said, why don't we have stockings up for St. Nicholas? And I said, say what? And I had, <laughs> well, everybody else in class has it. Well, good God. I didn't get the memo. But from then on, we did it. So St. Nicholas Day. So that was a major crisis for you. Is that right? Yeah. Is that what yes. you're talking? Yes. That's when I called you at work and said, hey, come home, bring some candy. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's under the Brooklyn Bridge, Bob? They had uh, they had big like caissons, I think they call them, and they were hollow. Didn't they used to store wine in there? Uh, Did they? 
Yeah. Okay, tell me about it. Yeah, they're wine cellars. Engineer Washington Roebling had some serious business smarts when he created the Brooklyn Bridge. When uh, he started construction, he faced two huge hurdles. One, there wasn't enough money in the city to pay for the full project. And second, two local wineries refused to move their facilities out of the path of construction. Oh, really? Yeah. So what does he do in a stroke of genius? Roebling solved both problems by incorporating two full wine cellars in the base of the bridge on each side. Wow. To help finance the bridge, he rented the cold, dark cellars out to the local business and wineries. They could store their stuff, and they did, until the Prohibition area, and he made enough money to uh, finish the bridge. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So alcohol helped to finish the Brooklyn Bridge. That, that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there's uh, the caverns are still there, but they're dry now and don't have any wine down there. I've got some more things about uh, holidays. There is a uh, seven-day holiday that starts on December 26th called Kwanzaa. Yes. What is that dedicated to? And here are the questions. Oh, okay. Traditional foods, prayer, black cultural figures, a different philosophy for each of the seven days. Which one is it? Well, I don't know if it's cultural. I'll go with that. That's exactly what it is. Kwanzaa celebrates African-American culture for seven days. And each of the days is dedicated to one of the seven principles of Kwanzaa. Unity, self-determination, collective responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. All good things. Now, I got a question for you. There was a popular 1980s song that mentioned the Kwanzaa Feast of Karamu. Now, you will know this song, but you probably didn't know this is even mentioned there. So, what is it? Part-Time Lover by Stevie Wonder, All Night Long by Lionel Richie, I'm Coming Out by Diana Ross, or Human Nature by Michael Jackson? I'll go with Stevie Wonder. It's Lionel Richie's All Night Long. Oh, really? He pulled from different cultures for the lyrics, including karamu, the Swahili word for a feast or banquet. That's also the name of a family and community meal that takes place at the last day of Kwanzaa. So we have a lot of different celebrations that take place during this time of the year other than Christmas and yep. Hanukkah. Uh-huh. I think it's time for a break. All right, let's take it. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. <laughs> I dozed off there. <laughs> I'll be back in just a moment with more of The Off-Ramp. Just me. <laughs> Nobody else, just me. It wouldn't be any fun without me, honey. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> Okay, we're back, and Marsha is back, too, with the off-ramp here for the Cedarbrook Public Library and uh, for our podcast platforms around the world. St. Lucia's, or Lucia's Day, L-U-C-I-A, is a December celebration in which of these countries, Marsha? Brazil, Sweden, Germany, or Mexico? St. Lucia. Uh, Brazil. Just a moment. (laughs) Which country? Brazil. And you're wrong, Marsha. <laughs> it's celebrated in Sweden, Norway, and some parts of Finland and Italy. It's also known as St. Lucy's Day, but Lucia, L-U-C-I-A, uh-huh. on December 13th, Lucia, or Lucia, or Lucy, was an ancient mythical figure who was known as a bearer of light for dark Swedish winters. Modern Swedish celebrations appoint someone to play her role. She leads a procession of children dressed in white and wearing wreaths of light in their hair on December 13th. Ah. Okay. All right. There were four presidents, Bob, who won the Nobel Peace Prize. Who were they? 
Uh, Teddy Roosevelt was one because we mentioned him. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, Barack Obama. Yes. Franklin Roosevelt, probably not. Woodrow Wilson, did he win yes, one? Yes. Okay. Very good. So I'm thinking of people who help settle wars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't know who the fourth one was. Jimmy Carter. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And what was that for? Negotiating the Middle Eastern peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Was, I believe that's true. So yes. four U.S. presidents have won yeah. the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Huh. And I think, I remember when Obama won, everybody, including him, said, I just became president, yeah. you know? It made no sense. Okay, Marsha, I have a Buddhist holiday that okay. also takes place in December. It's called Bodhi Day. B-O-D-I. Bodhi Day. What does that celebrate? Siddhartha's birth? Siddhartha's death? The creation of Buddhism or the date of the Enlightenment. What's the day called again? Bodhi Day. I'll say the last one, the Enlightenment. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's celebrated by Buddhists in China, Japan, and parts of India on December the 8th. So it's another December holiday in the world. It marks the moment in 596 BC when Buddhism's founder Siddhartha Gautama attained enlightenment, becoming the Buddha or the awakened one. He said to have achieved this while sitting under the body tree. The day is marked in peaceful ways such as meditation, chants, and traditional meals of tea and cake. That sounds good to me. <laughs> a lot of a lot of cake and hot drinks at any time you're celebrating anything this yeah. time of the year yeah. around the world. It's That's interesting. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, Bob, how did Wall Street get its name? Wall Street got its name because it was a wall. Didn't it pen in cattle or something like that? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay, tell me. In September 1653, the settlers in what is now New York City felt threatened by local natives and the possibility of an invasion by Oliver Cromwell's army from England. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so there's two big things that wanted to stay safe from. For protection, they built a large protective wall that stretched a half mile across Manhattan, exactly in the spot where we now know as Wall Street. They thought Cromwell's army was going to come across the sea. Yeah, they felt threatened by the natives and Cromwell. Natives being Native Americans. Correct. Indians. What year was this? 1653. Wow. Okay, so that's the... Beginning of Wall Street. Okay, Marcia, here's another holiday. This is in Japan. What does Japan's Omasoka holiday celebrate? Does it celebrate New Year's Eve, Constitution Day, Hiroshima, or a complete house cleaning? (laughs) Does it bring you joy, Bob? Uh, All right. um, Well, I got to tell you, it is the house house cleaning. cleaning. Yes, it is. That goes along with what was the book? Tidying up, right? Well, tidying up goes way back, apparently. Omisoka, one of Japan's most important traditional holidays, occurs December 31st. It's marked with rice, straw rope decor, the ringing of bells, and a complete cleaning of the house to bring good luck. It's to welcome the Shinto god who is said to enter the house at midnight. And apparently wants a clean house when he enters. (laughs) Good to know. Doesn't live here. Yeah, no. Okay. (laughs) We'd have a little trouble with that. All right. I'm into time capsules this time, Bob. All right. What's the oldest known time capsule in the United States? The oldest known time capsule in the United States. I bet it is in the U.S. Capitol, because they were building that in the late 1790s, early 1800s. Yes. I know they put a time capsule in there. Yes, they did. So that's it. I'm right. (laughs) Okay, thank you. All right, let's move on. No, it's not. There's one before that. It's 1795. It's the Sam Adams and Paul Revere time capsule. Oh, I didn't know Located in the cornerstone of the Massachusetts State House. 
and it's widely believed to have been buried by then-Governor Sam Adams and Paul Revere, Hmm. the oldest known time capsule in the U.S. It contains silver and copper coins dating back to 1652, newspapers and a medal depicting George Washington and a silver plaque believed to have been engraved by Paul Revere. Okay. So they actually had things in there that were well over 100 years old when they put them in there. Yeah, let's see. Coins from the 1650s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So things that are about 140 years old were yeah. included. Yeah. Wow. Hey, speaking of currency, there's something new involving the $1 and $5 bills. What's new about that? I'll give you a hint. It involves women. They're taking off the faces that are on there now and putting women on? No. No, I don't know. The first banknotes bearing the name of America's first female treasury secretary. That's Janet Yellen. But the bills also bear the name of Marilyn Malerba, M-A-L-E-R-B-A, the first Native American to hold the role of U.S. Treasurer. So two women's names, first time ever, Mm -hmm. on U.S. banknotes, signatures that will be entering circulation. Women do control a lot of the purse strings. Apparently, yes, the U.S. purse strings. Okay. All right. Why is it rude to put your elbows on the table when dining? Oh, this is perfect for the holiday season. (laughs) I remember as a kid getting called off on that. I thought, what's wrong with putting my elbows on the table? What's the problem here? Well, Well, what is the problem, Marsh? I mean, I I would love to be able to go to a Christmas or a holiday dinner and put my elbows on the table. Why is that a bad thing? Well, where do many of these things come from? If it's not Dickens, it's who? Shakespeare. Yeah, or I mean, if it's not Shakespeare, it's who? Dickens. (laughs) Oh, the Bible. That's it. It's from the Bible? Yeah, the Old Testament. So the Jews and the Christian from the book of Ecclesiastes? Yeah, it includes the line, be ashamed of breaking an oath or a covenant and of stretching your elbow at dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Be ashamed of that. Explain that. Many have translated this directive as a warning to keep elbows off the table. It's the translations of people that have screwed up everything. Anyway, but table manners were originally introduced to prevent mealtime fights, and that's why the knife and the fork helped establish boundaries at the table. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Yeah, and keeping your elbows off the table (laughs) also allowed you to see the person... uh, down the road oh, from you. if they had their knife or fork yeah, ready, ready to, to, to kill you. Ready to stab you in the face. <laughs> Din- dinner must have not have been a, the fun time we have today. No, no, not, not so really. So there's all these weapons and people are eating, but somebody <laughs> might kill you with their Apparently, weapons. there were a lot more fights at the dinner table. Holy cow. Yeah, never discuss politics. Don't discuss politics. <laughs> if thee discuss politics or religion, <laughs> thee shall fight. Oh my, who knew that? Well, there's enough rules in the Bible anyway. I don't need to be told to keep my elbows <laughs> off the table. Okay, Scientists recently discovered the oldest DNA. Do you know where it was and how old is it? I, is it underwater? No, it's not underwater. Is it above water? <laughs> yeah. What What country is it in? I don't know. Okay. Scientists recently discovered two million year old DNA, the oldest they've ever discovered in the permafrost of the northern edge of Greenland. The DNA came from more than 135 species. They show that the region, just 600 miles from the North Pole, was once a forest covered with poplar, birch trees inhabited by mastodons, reindeer, and uh, Arctic hares at the same time. So it's car- Arctic hares? Ar- I mean like bunnies? Yeah, bunnies, oh. reindeer, and mastodons wow. all lived there at the same time, apparently. And the warm coastal waters were also filled with horseshoe crabs. Those crabs can never be found anywhere north of Maine these days in the world. Okay. 
I got one more time capsule question. Okay, sure. Okay, there's a time capsule, Bob, called The Crypt of Civilization at Oglethorpe University in Brookhaven, Georgia. Hmm. It was finished and sealed off in 1940 and is to remain closed for how long? For 500 years. No. For 1,000 years. No. For five years. No. For 20 years. (laughs) I don't know how long. 6,177 years. Oh, my God. Who's going to police that? It was, de- <laughs> And you'd say, how did they come up with that how number? How did they come okay. up with that number? It was decreed in 1940 that this crypt should be closed for 6,177 years, the same amount of time that was then thought to have passed since the beginning of recorded history. Oh. And the crypt remains at Oglethorpe to this day, and it is to be opened in 8113 A.D. And it's filled with everything from 640,000 pages of microfilmed books wow. and religious texts to an early television, a container of beer, Lincoln Logs. <laughs> People have great hopes for these things to be you opened up. And oh, you got, my God. You got TV. You got to have a beer if you got you, TV. You got so. beer and TV. And <laughs> God, I mean, it is amazing. That's bizarre. Yeah, it is. Okay. Something just recently celebrated its 25th anniversary. It's uh, something the Disney company has done. And uh, Michael Eisner said when he mentioned it at the first board meeting, everybody laughed. Okay. It's a show on Broadway. Oh, Lion King? The Lion King. Oh, that's a wonderful show. Yeah. It has had 27 productions over the past 25 years. They've filled 112 million seats and have played on every continent except Antarctica. So shows The Lion King has been everywhere. Now, Elton John wrote the music for that. What a jackpot that must have been for him. Oh, yeah. But it's still going strong on Broadway. It's grossed $10 billion dollars. More than any other stage show, more than any other film. Really? Yeah. More than Les Mis and Phantom more Hamilton? More than any other show wow. or film. So that's more than any other entertainment, wow. really. Single entertainment piece. It was. I tell my friends to see it. It's it's wonderful. It, it is fabulous. Uh-huh. But okay. Michael Eisner said when he sat down and told everybody, we're going to do The Lion King on Broadway, everybody laughed yeah. at the meeting. And Nobody look, thought it would happen. Yeah. And look at that fabulous opening with the puppets. Who would have thought it'd be such a spectacular way to open? I'm going to finish up with a quote. Okay. Hanukkah, as we were talking about before, is upon us in about a week or so. Or as Adam Sandler so beautifully sings, put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah. <laughs> so much funica. Okay. <laughs> but here's some meaningful words from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Hanukkah is about the freedom to be true to what we believe without denying the freedom of those who believe otherwise. Very good. And since you mentioned that, what is the alternative festival that was invented by a TV show because of Christmas being so commercial? There was an alternative? What? Oh, Festivus? Festivus. (laughs) Festivus on Seinfeld. An alternative to overly commercial Christmas season. Festivus for the rest of us? Yes. And do you remember what that's celebrated with? Yes, it's a pole. An aluminum pole. And the activities include the airing of grievances and feats of strength. (laughs) I love it. I've got a Festivus pole on the hearth in the family room. (laughs) So I think we've covered everything today. Hanukkah, Festivus, Kwanzaa, Christmas. There are a few more things in the world, Bob, but let that be enough for today. That's enough for now. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us when we return next week with more fun facts and trivia here on The The Off-Ramp. Ramp. 
The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.